thank you for our this here. The sermon today is really one in a series. And unlike most series, I'm not going to make it consecutive Sundays. I'm going to uh, spread it out probably about once a quarter. I'll remind you what it's about. And uh, recall a little what last week. Because there's going to be things that you will need to work on between them. They're thinking we can do it all in one week and be ready for the next one. Some of these things will carry much farther. Because my series is about a living, well-ordered life. And that's not as easy as you can shape up in one week, right? That, that may take a little bit of time. So we're going to acknowledge that and work on it. Is that fair enough? Today's is uh, about Jesus always. It's about an experience he had. He came home right after in Luke's gospel, the beginning of his public ministry. And uh, he sat there in church like he based with us. And when it came time to let him be the guest speaker of the day, and being the guest speaker, he would read the uh, Torah, which was in the book of Isaiah that day. And he sat down and said to them, Not only have I read it to you, but it is about me. That's what it meant. When he said, it has been fulfilled today, he's saying, where Isaiah is talking about, I will, that's me. And, of course, when he did that, people out there going, what? I know him. Remember him? We used to play together when we were younger. Oh, isn't he Mary and Joseph's boy? What does he mean that he is the person Isaiah is talking about, the Messiah? might seem strange to you that Jesus would do this, but really not so, because even in our day, when a, a politician often begins to run for an office, uh, say a national office or state, they will announce that from their hometown. You know they do that? And sometimes they'll sit in the, right, in the end of the uh, 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 race and will wait for the results in their hometown, because in that place is often their most trusted and loyal supporters. The people who have known them the longest, and they love them the best. It seems very natural that Jesus would begin, now technically actually been teaching some in the area of Galilee, but it really lets us know beyond the baptism, beyond his temptation, there comes an awareness of Jesus that there is a style of ministry. Now, we think the word style is about uh, clothing or the way we fix our hair or something that is easy to change. But I use that word to talk about the way Jesus' ministry is going to happen. There'll be a lot of dimensions to it, but there's something cohesive that holds it together and those words were found in the scroll of Isaiah. I'll read it to you once again. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, and the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He said, You can imagine Jesus' ministry from that moment on. No matter the subject matter of one sermon or another, there is an order to his life. He has a goal in the end, but that's not all. He has a way of living. And you and I are talking about a well-ordered life. How would one live our life in a way that we cannot just get to an end, 
Time's going to take care of that in one way or another. But how we live toward that, faithfully as a follower is, it really is a keynote speech, or we might say sermon, or what it is that Jesus gives there in the synagogue about the entire ministry he is going to live. Think in this term. When you, some of you ladies may like to raise flowers, and sometimes there are roses, for instance, that are running types of roses. They require that you hang them on something. You may create a trellis of some kind, and they will begin to weave themselves out in the form of that trellis if you will take care to help them do it. It's the same way in Jesus' ministry. This statement he said he's gifted from Isaiah tells us that's like the, this form he's going to use and all the lessons he's going to teach, the experiences you're going to see are going to shape themselves around this style of life in ministry. Now you also say to me, you know, he is the Savior, the Messiah, not us. And I would say, you've got that one right. But we need to remember that every day of our life. None of us can call to be anyone saved. But we work for him. And the way he lives should affect the way we live. And his work is not finished. So something you and I are doing is completing a part of what he did while he is here. And that helps us to see. I thought it was rather interesting that when you, uh, if you read the Purpose Driven Life book, which I thought was a good piece written by uh, Rick Warren, as he talks about how you live your life purposefully, quoting lots and lots of scripture, he left this way. Now, I don't want to fault him for that. He might want to say, well, let me do a bit of that. really should be in there. But in this one, there is a shape to Jesus' whole ministry. One of caregiving and focusing, you got to know that Luke always talked about Jesus as one who cared for the poor and healed the sick because Luke himself was a physician. He looked at Jesus' ministry with his own eyes and experience and saw the importance of it. He's saying, that's what I see him doing. That's what his life is going to be like. If you and I are going to be followers of his, we need to think in terms of how, what kind of order our life is going to be in. And that kind of order includes something of what Jesus teaches us. God's whispered to us, you are the child of man. Live this day as if it were your first day. And as if it were your last day. And if it was your only day. That means that to make a plan is not just waiting until I get to each piece of it, but know that every day is an opportunity for the order that God has planned for us. Tom Harvey, a, a, who was a Presbyterian minister in um, Singapore, said this. He said, Mission catches you up in the life and vitality of God. For it is God who relentlessly draws men and women to himself in love and compassion. Moreover, when he steps away from this, when we do, there's a corresponding depletion of a life and vitality for the church. How do we know that we have the power of the Spirit? We know because the Holy Spirit gives us something to do for God and a time in which to do it. We are about mission because every day God has given you and me an opportunity. 
and initiative and time to do it. If we'll live a well-ordered life, one that takes shape around the rule that Jesus gave us here. Crafting a rule of life is what we are all asked to do. I have a book I've been reading on, and that is its title. I'm kind of reading this with a group of preachers, and that's going to be my resource in part for this. And it reminds us that there is a way that Jesus did. And no greater example than to follow him. If you read our text again, you'll find it says this. That Jesus began this ministry with the Spirit descending on him. If he needs the Spirit, you and I need the Spirit. And the Spirit is not someone who is simply our beck and call in a given hour or time or moment when we critically need him. He is available all the time. He comes to dwell in us, which means our life begins to take a new shape. A well-ordered life. Something God has in store for us, not of our own creation, not because you and I are such good, so good at keeping it work, but because the Spirit comes and guides us as well. That's what He is like. A well-ordered life. God empowers the present, the first attribute he gives us as healing disciples is through his Holy Spirit that comes inside of us. And you find in Jesus' life, also what gives a well-ordered life is that it is done inside of relationships. It's not a go off in my own corner, keep away from everyone, and I'll have a well-ordered life. I can understand where you may think that works. In fact, there's some things that stay better ordered in your life and no one else messes with it. You know, like the drawers in your cabinet or the countertop. You like to keep your stuff on the kitchen or other things like that. But the truth is, life is lived well if we do it in relationship. Not staying away from everyone we can. And Jesus was who did exactly that. He didn't back off in a corner somewhere to hide. There were times when he was confident in his relationship with God that he went away, but he always came back. Always with disciples around him. Always the ministry of healing and caring. Never the thought, I'm just here to get it done and get away, but he's always in it with others. So the well-ordered life has others included. It's not a lone venture. Now something you're going to fashion off in your corner and, and make it work by yourself is something you're going to do together. Helping each other to do it well. We find from Jesus it is a life that requires humility. It is not a prideful accomplishment we're going to do and at the end of some day finally say, I have arrived. In fact, always you know we're only on the journey. And arriving yet waits for another day. It is Jesus who showed us what it's like to give a life fully that God may be glorified. When we find that our pride can be absorbed, it can move away and it's risen again for what God can do for us, bringing glory to Him, a life of humility. It's also important as a life of balance. That is attention not only to our relationship with God, but also our relationship with others. When we do that, we can develop a well-ordered life. Now, I, I 
hope when you come to church, you feel like a sense of closeness to God, and you begin to think about, you know, where I need to change, and, and you thank God for the joy and things that have come into your life and for the way He's helped you through struggles. But I also hope when you go home and you're sitting with your family, it makes a difference how you are a part of that. When you go to work tomorrow, whatever you're doing, that this makes its way of that part of your life. If you're going to live a well-ordered life, a sense that God has a purpose, a holistic life, not divine. It's also a life, you have to know, that stands counter often to the culture in which we live and even to our own self-interest. You'll never live a well-ordered life. It's only a life that follows the easy track of the culture around us. Or a life that simply pursues what you want for your own best interest. You will not live a well-ordered life. Jesus gave himself. In that giving, we found he did his best that God wanted for us. It is a great adventure. Weeks so ago, when our grandchildren were here, uh, on that Saturday, while Nikki and their mother went shopping, they left the two of the girls with me and Clint. It was no use whatsoever. <laughs> but I had them. And I had them for about an hour, and by that time, they had plundered the entire house. There was every drawer you could open, everything you could pull out. We learned our house really was not soundproof well. We haven't had one in there in a while. We had to really work on that one a little bit. Well, after they plundered it up, I decided not to take them up to the park where the playground is in Gregory Park. And that was good. There were a lot of other children around, and uh, they saw all these giant play structures, two of them, plus a, a swing, and immediately, I didn't have to tell them what to do. They immediately went to playing. They started on the small one, of course, and the little slides, and that was so much fun for a few minutes. And, and uh, I'll tell you, our duo of grandchildren, the two-year-old leads the four-year-old straight. And I'm going to get straight with them. So the two-year-olds playing on the finding sides you know, had enough of this little one, let's go to the big one. So sure enough, it goes to the one that's the tallest and slides at the longest. And in the beginning, we had I uh, reach up my hand and say, I'll hold your hand while you slide down. That was so cute. Wasn't that cute, brother? And I knew they get up there and they each slide down so well. And they do that a couple of times. And finally, they're all separate directions going, changing things. And I'm watching both of them, and I look over there, and the two-year-old is now taking on the fastest slide all by herself. So I turn around and say, here my cake, and she's sliding down and lands on behind and singing. Just up, dust herself off, and goes again. Now, who taught her to do that anyway? Somewhere, that structure is built for play. And I guess they can play without it. There are all kinds of games that you can play, but to put that structure there gives them new opportunities. They will learn more. They will enjoy it together better. It was fun to watch them. It will help them physically. The structure that Jesus gives us to our life to need is not just a trellis, it's like a place structure. It will add to the dimension of your life. You will not get as forward with your life. You'll not be disappointed in the days you find a way to surrender to what he wants of you. It requires that life where you let him give it shape. In that shape comes opportunities. In those opportunities, 
but the way that you can have life that's well worth. They played a while. After a while, others showed up and began to enjoy it. And in time, they had enough for the month. I suspect when they come back again, I'll take them back. We'll do the same thing over again. So their play doesn't simply stay the same. I don't want your faith to stay the same day after day. I want it to take a shape because you built around it the opportunity for God to work in your life. You've given an order to it that God can work His very best through you. Not a flat piece of blank paper saying, God, write what you want. But one that has three dimensions and activities and faith and opportunity. What are you doing with others? You're asking God's Spirit to be a part of it. And you're willing to surrender. And now you find what God can do to give us that kind of life. Now my invitation to you this morning is to move toward a well-ordered way. Not to arrive tomorrow as though you've now designed it. It's all in place. And I've got it done. Because it will seem to come apart. It was built that quickly or that easily. It's a combination of surrender and acceptance. Of getting up and playing in a new way, of finding the excitement of what God is doing in your life. You just look and see the world around you. As your pastor, I can't notice all that for you, but the Spirit can notice it for you and let you see. It just depends how do I want to live? How about well ordered? The very kind of enabled Jesus. Be the Savior and touch all of us. Would you pray Father, life often seems frustrating and even out of control. So much is beyond what we planned or dared to think. And yet you're there with us. What we ask even today, you help us. We may point in that direction. Begin to take the shape in life as you did, Lord Jesus. That you may use us the very best in this world. That our life may do and accomplish. We may find the greatest dimensions of joy and peace. We may feel, Lord, that life has the joy. Nothing can take away because we let you bring it in order that you desire. Out of which you can work. Bring us into your service. Open us, Lord, to that plan, and that plan only. In Christ we pray.